This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode 47. This is the show where I interview the most successful pizza entrepreneurs and marketing experts in the business today. I ask them the questions that help you grow your business. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is episode number 47. I'm super excited for today's guest. His name is Tony Gemignani. And if you've been in the pizza business for any length of time or read about it or thinking about getting into it, I'm sure you've heard of Tony. Uh, he has 16 restaurants. They're all kind of different kinds of restaurants, too. Uh, he's an 11-time world pizza champion, and he's the only one, I believe, that's got the triple crown for the pizza championship in Italy that's you know, of American descent. So super excited to get him on the show. Took a while to get him on going back and forth with his schedule. He's a busy guy. He had a lot of stuff going on. So also in this episode, the uh, something happened to his Skype uh, halfway through the episode. He has the first 25 minutes are through Skype, and then the second 20 minutes are kind of over the phone. He had an issue with Skype. We couldn't get connected, and rather than just kind of rescheduling again and starting over from the beginning, I just kind of did the rest of it over the phone. It doesn't sound horrible, but the audio quality in the first half of this interview is much better than the second half of the interview, so bear with me on that. Also, if you haven't checked it out yet, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. There we are having mastermind groups get together. Uh, the beginning of this year, January of 2016, we're going to start that. Um, these are groups basically to kind of four or five individuals get together on a weekly basis, talk about what's working in their business and how to help each other out and how to grow your business and take it to the next level. So if you're interested in that, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. Also, if you haven't checked out our spot about the weekly book reviews, I think I have one came out this week. Um, you can also head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash books to check out all the books that I recommend you read in order to help you grow uh, your business or just good books about entrepreneurship in general. Check that out. Um, that's smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash books. Also, if you go to that page, you can get a free audio book. I've teamed up with Audible to give you a free audio book download. Um, so any of those books that you want on that page that you want to check out for free audio version wise, just click the link on that page or you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash smartpizza to get you a free 30-day trial of the Audible system and a free copy of any of those books on there. Um, all right, so let's get into this interview with Tony Gimignani. We talk about a lot of stuff in this interview, um, a lot of stuff that I haven't heard him talk about in other interviews, you know, how he got started, you know, why he didn't kind of sell out in the beginning and start, you know, he had a lot of people coming to him and saying, hey, let's open a franchise, you can make millions of dollars, and he waited. You know, what, what made him wait in order to take that leap rather than just kind of going for the, the money right in the beginning and, and taking it from there? Um, what he looks at when he what he looks at when he opens a new location, every location that Tony opens is a little different. You know, he does have multiple locations of the same, but when he opens a new concept, it's kind of, kind of different. And you know, I ask him what his mentality is when it comes to that and why he does it that way. And I also ask him, you know, what 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 do you think the future is for the delivery aspect of pizza business? And you know, uh, where should people kind of go to look for information on how to grow their business in the future and what's going to change in the coming years? Uh, for the pizza industry. So it was a good interview. I enjoyed it. Tony's a great guy. Really enjoyed having him on the show. Uh, so let's just get right into this episode with Tony Gemignani, the world pizza champion. All right. Hey, I have Tony. Tony, how do you say your last name? I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it. Gemignani. Gemignani. Tony. That's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure that I said it right. So, Hey, thank you so much for taking the time out uh, to join us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So every, I'm sure that anybody listening to this podcast knows who you are, but maybe hasn't heard you before. So can you give us a, a brief background of like, you know, where did you get started? How did you get into the pizza business? Yeah, about 25 years ago in, in 1991, my brother had the idea of opening up a pizzeria. What were you, I was five, what were you five years old then? 
<laughs> yeah, right. I wish. I wish. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my age, but you'll probably do the math. Um, but uh, yeah, it's about 25 years ago. My uh, my brother had the idea of opening up a restaurant. I was 18, getting out of high school. Uh, he had some. Actually, I was 17 getting out of high school, and then I turned 18 right before we opened. And um, you know, it was this idea to open a place. He was 22 at the time. He worked at a couple great pizzerias in. Fremont, and at the time it was a place called Stuff Pizza, and before, right after that, it was JT McCarts. And back in the day, back in the '80s, those two pizzerias were actually pretty cool uh, when they opened. And um, you know, I, I he asked me to join him, and I was wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was thinking about going to college. I, I took a few uh, classes in college, and I ended up uh, making pizzas. And I, I would say the very first time I, I, I made a pizza for real, you know, for making it for a customer, um, you know, I fell in love with it. You know, it was something that I looked at and, and, and it kind of came into my life and I didn't know it was there. Um, you know, there was this love for, it was my career and, and love at the same time. And I didn't realize it and it just kind of hit me in the face and I grew into it. And, um, I just fell in love with it, man. I mean, I mean, um, and I've been going ever since and I haven't stopped. I know You've been, <laughs> you're all over the place. How, when did it, when did you find at what age were you, when you said, you know what, I really want to do this as a business and really take it seriously. You know, I was 18, I'd say when I started working and then as I got to 19 to 20, you know, I, I knew it was getting serious. Um, you know, we were two independent guys at the time and, you know, we, we wanted to figure out how to, you know, be better and, and bring more business. And, and at that time, um, you know, I, I was trying to do pizza acrobatics at the time and it was, it was kind of random. Uh, my brother worked with some very famous pizza acrobats. One of them was Barry O'Halloran, uh, which was the first uh, world champion in pizza acrobatics and a couple guys that were working at our shop that worked with my brother at the time when we were first opening a guy named Jay Sunderwalla, Rusty, uh, older guys in the industry were doing tricks. And I was just kind of young kid looking at these guys doing some really basic tricks as, as, as kind of like if you, if you look at it from a, a competitive level, but it was super cool. And, you know, when I was watching these guys do it and I was learning uh, the basics, I, I, I kind of started practicing these tricks and I and I learned that a lot of people liked it. They came into the pizzeria, they, they were kind of wowed by it and, and adults and children, you know, both. And uh, it was something I practiced and I, and I realized that, God, the consumer loves this. Uh, why not make this into something big? And then I, I really started researching it even more and, 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 and even learn more about the pizza today and back then pizza olympics they were called um before i got in trouble for the pizza olympic using that name and i kind of <laughs> pizza expo and you know i wasn't 21 yet and i was turning 20 and and, and back then I, I went to my first pizza expo when i was 20 years old and i i stepped into this arena yeah. and i saw all these guys um competing and, and i thought it was pretty pretty amazing it blew my mind um so that was in uh, 1990 what was that 95, 96, 97? So it was in 1994. I went to Expo. Um, I was blown away by it. I saw all these operators, mostly independent operators. I saw them cooking a little, but more acrobatics. And um, at that time, there was a, a couple acrobatic guys that came to me and said, you know, you should compete. You're pretty good. We saw you throwing 
And I said, you know, I'm going to wait till next year. No, thanks. And I, and I, and I waited a year um, and I ended up winning it the next year when I competed. So it, it was a, it was a path that I took that one, it was great for business Two, I love to do it. And three, there was this marketing um, that came after the wins that uh, I don't think too many people knew how to grow it into um, some free advertising for, for our business. And, and that was definitely a small independent operator type business. Yeah. So. You were the first one to really make it kind of nationally known. <laughs> well, you know, Barry, I want to say that Barry was on the tonight show and, and I was on the tonight show three years after I won my, my third title, but nobody really hit it from an angle of sponsorships. Nobody hit it really. I don't think in a bigger, more, yeah, like I guess you say a, a national level or a world level where they, you started to travel and right. You know, back in the day, 200, 200 bucks for eight hours throwing next to PZ forty four dough conditioner at a booth in Wisconsin. I mean, like there were things that we were doing back in the day, and I was doing Italian festivals and cancer camps, um, and just if it was money related, um, you know, it was a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, and and now you know it's, it can be a half an hour appearance for you know. $1,500 if you're looking at like some of the guys now. So to pave the way for these guys now and to really make it into, Hey man, I've been, you know, I've been using your cheese for 10 years. I'm a great customer. How about I slap a, you know, a patch on my back and, and you help me out and give me a thousand bucks and help me go to Italy or help me go to Vegas. I, I mean, that's really come around now. It's very easy. It was handwriting, writing letters back in the day. It was sending videotapes. I mean, I was at mailboxes, et cetera, every <laughs> week sending out. This guy Art was there, and and he go, "What you sending it to now, Tony? Well, I'm sending it to Channel Four. I, I, you know, I'm this acrobat. I think it'd be cool to do a daytime show." And he's, "Oh, good luck, man. I mean, I sent so many videos. <laughs> how, how many? <laughs> like, how? What's the percentage and, of people that responded? Do you think?" You know, not that many. And once in a while, you'd get one. It was, it was. It, you hate to say the word domino, but it was that domino effect. Uh, you know, and yeah. when you think of the domino effect, it, it starts with a. Um, it always starts with a local newspaper, and then you hope that it'll be grabbed by something a little bit bigger, uh, like a you know San Francisco Chronicle maybe grabbed it from a local little newspaper in the city. And then, you're, you know, it parlays into like a news show that will grab it. And then all of a sudden you're on the news and then you hope to get that uh, circuit, that that national daytime or, or show that would grab it from that news show. So back in the day, there were a lot of feelers out there. There wasn't you just didn't Google it. You know, there are people yeah. looking at newspapers. People were looking at the news. They were trying to find a, what's a good hometown story to to have somebody on TV about and, and make it fun when there's just nothing but war and, and, and death and everything. Right. And, and one of those great lines in, and if you were able to get start off with that local newspaper, it was actually, and got into the, you know, the others. And it, it was that domino effect that I learned was very, very important. So a key to it was basic baby steps uh, before you walk. And then really, if you can capitalize on everything and, and you do, and you see a lot of guys getting this, um, a lot, and then you land that national spot and then you hope what, whatever happens after that, um, you know, is golden. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. You're able to get, you know, I always said it was able to get millions of dollars for worth of free advertising by just doing something that's pretty awesome, like throwing and, yeah. and, and then I, I kind of moved out of throwing career and went into the cooking uh, side of it. But I think you, you, a good story in there is your persistence. You know, you were, 
very persistent. Like you said, you went to the mailbox center every single day, no matter whether people yeah. got back to you or not. You just can't go one time. And then if someone says no or you don't get a response, just be like, eh, that's it. I'm not going to try anymore. Totally. Like I would look through pizza today and they would have a cartoon figure of a guy tossing a pizza. I remember PZ44 had that, that kind of go back to them. I called Foremost Farms. I said, hey, I see your ads. Pretty cool. You should get a real face on there. You know, you, you should really get somebody that makes pizzas or let me send you a video. And uh, Brian Kane was the head of that department back then. Um, you know, I mean, you're talking about a lot of people like Rich's Fine Foods. I mean, with, with frozen goats, I mean, like to General Mills, to... Power flower. I mean, there's a lot of doors that you can knock on, and and you know, it, you got to try, and right. there could be avenues you can go down. So some people just look at it as a nine to five or you know twelve to twelve type um, job, and and you're you know you're clocking in and clocking out, and a lot of people don't look at it beyond what's just in front of you in the restaurant business, and and I think you need to think outside of the box and figure out you know how can I get this and 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 because it's not going to come to me and, yeah. and how to get out of my restaurant and still be in my restaurant at the same time and make it fun yeah i don't think people look at like i think they see an iceberg like that sunk the titanic and they see that little two-foot piece that's stuck above the water and they see you as success and they don't see that 50 to 60 feet below the water of all the hard work you put in and all the time and effort yeah it was a lot of work and and like i said a lot of handwritten letters and and and, uh, you know, over the years that my, my career's changed, you know, when you look at me as an acrobat, it was great. Uh, you know, I, I was one of the first guys, I was actually the first guy that was banned from competing in Italy. I, I won five world titles, you're done, there's nothing else, but, you know, that you can do. And, and I was at a time in my career that I was getting a little older, the acrobatic thing was kind of done, there was nothing else to do, Italy said, you know, you got to stop, um, we, we want you to not compete, so that's when you saw the USP team form, um, I started that uh, for PMQ Magazine, and then you saw later the World Pizza Champions starting, and then we ended up um, working on bringing Expo back, and bringing competitions back, and really bringing uh, the cooking side of it back and uh you'll see a pinnacle was the year 2000 2001 2002 in my career uh, you'll see my focus went from acrobatics to cooking and that's when i when my first book came out in 05 i wrote that in 04 um, it was called pizza and it was all about food and, and you'll kind of see a a big change in my career and, and it was important i needed to be more well-rounded i needed to be known for food the acrobatics could be a gimmick. It's, it's kind of a, it's quirky, but at the same time, you know, how can you get the credibility? Um, so I, I really focused on food and uh, it was very, very important to me to do that. But you, th um, you think the acrobatics kind of opened that door for you to get, you know, exposure to people to kind of help you get into the, not that you weren't in the food aspect of it, but like kind of open some restaurants and kind of build your name that well, way. Well, you had to build the credibility, you had to win, you know, you had to compete. It, it, there's, a, there's a competitive side in me, and I think that comes from playing soccer, um, from playing sports growing up, from swimming to, I mean, to, from swimming to badminton to track to, to soccer. I, there's this competitive side, and I think when we're in our, when we're in our 
you know, restaurants from day to day and, and we're, we're, everything's great. We're making pizzas, we're handing them out and we're the owners and, and it's air conditioned. It's a great environment and you're giving them out. Everything's golden. I don't think we get a chance to really step in out of our comfort zone and into a competition field when you, when you have to figure it out and you're on an oven that you've never cooked in and you at one shot and you're talking to judges that, uh, you know, don't speak your language and you're, you're really trying to make the best pizza you've ever made in your life and, and people are cutting it to pieces in front of you and, 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 you know, you hope you did it, you pulled it off or did you, you know, did you just totally let, let yourself down? And, and there's times in, in my life that I've competed and I've been able to learn and become better and I've only been able to do that by stepping into a competitive type atmosphere where you are getting criticized when you're typically aren't and when you're an owner and, and employees don't tell you this, this pizza actually sucks right? <laughs> look at it look at this gum line look at the bottom the bakes off what are you doing your hands are like gorilla hands i mean when you look at it you never really have that and and i think that it can be stagnant over the years it can be fun doing what you're doing but at the same time i like to step out of my comfort zone and really test myself so over the years, I did that in acrobatics, of course. Um, I was kind of like one of those forerunner guys that did that. And, and I, you really saw me try to do that in cooking. I, for those 17 years, you got to remember of, of, of traveling and doing all these shows and everything inside the U.S. and out. Remember, I was in Chicago. I was in Fargo. I was in Florida. I was in London, Belgium, Germany. I made pizzas everywhere. And and when I was act doing acrobatics, did you think I did acrobatics for eight hours? No, I did acrobatics for a half an hour, went back in the kitchen, and I asked questions about pizza, about dough, about calzones, about fried calzones, just stuff that I went in about ingredients. We, we swapped recipes, we, we shared stories. And with all this knowledge, if you look at what Tony's Pizza Napolitana opened in, in 2009 and, and the pizza Bible was written and everything that else I'm doing, it really came down into all this stuff that I was doing in the acrobatic realm. I was really learning how to make Detroit style, St. Louis style. I mean, great, amazing, authentic style pizzas. And uh, it all came at the right time. And it all, it, it hit the industry hard. You know, it yeah. took me 17 years to leave my brother and get into one restaurant. And then it took me five years to be up to 13 going on 16 uh, restaurants, which should be by next year. And it took me a long time to get that, but it, um, the, you know, the knowledge it took, I'm really glad it happened later than earlier. Uh, you know, over the years, I had the opportunity to open up another store. I had a lot of franchisees come to me and say, hey, you want 100 stores in three years? We can do it. You're this champ. Let's do it. And, and I said no. I said no a lot. And I always said to myself, man, I, I, I should have a shot. Why don't I have my own place? And it was just building the knowledge, building the knowledge myself saying how why don't you just go off and do your own it, it took a lot a lot for me to leave and to do this this concept that i believed in you know multiple ovens uh we have seven ovens at tony's 13 styles of pizza and we certify i certify um out of my school about 60 chefs a year it took me 17 years to really get into that and and, and i'm glad i didn't try to i could have never done it before right um, i'm glad it took time i was 
some people have a long road to get where they are and, and mine took 17 years to get to Tony's and um, I'm, I'm glad it took that way because it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been as memorable and it wouldn't have been as innovative as it is. So when you're winning all those championships and people are coming to you and saying, hey, open your own place, let's open 100 stores, what, what made you say no? Like why didn't you just go for that opportunity? I think most people would just, as soon as someone says to them, hey, let's partner, they would just go for it. It's a good, that's a good question. Um, it just didn't always feel right. You know, I had some big companies approach me. Um, I won't say their names, but, uh, yeah, like I said, it, they said, you know, you want a hundred stores, you want to be a millionaire, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, I, I was younger, but I wasn't that young. I mean, I was, I was in my, uh, late twenties when it was coming around and then kind of early thirties and, you know, it did, it didn't always feel right. I got a lot of opportunity and, and, uh, you know, I still wanted to be that independent guy. Um, I didn't want to grow that quick, that fast. I'm growing now. It's, you know, not franchising. Uh, you know, I'm cor- corporately run. Um, you know, will that be sold down the line? Something like, you know, will my expansion down the line of, of some concept be sold to a bigger company? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. And, and because I want to... I want to reinvest in some of my other businesses and, and, and areas that I have. I mean, there is an ultimate goal. And will somebody say, guys, you sell out. You know, I, I did what I did as far as I could uh, with what I had. And I, I knew if I didn't do that, I, I would I would always say to myself, you know, you, you could have been somebody <laughs> that guy said, you know, you know, what, what if, what if. Right. I'm a guy that's not about what if. I, I'm really never about that. I, I really try as much as I can. And, and I try it in, in a way that really kind of goes down the independent, independent route. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is a long, there's a long goal ahead of me and I, and I've been able to, you know, I, I always give myself several goals, you know, you have a, B and C, you have, you know, what's going on today, what's going on tomorrow and then what's going on in the future. I, I have a lot of goals that I set for myself and I have high expectations. You know, I, I, I'm really hard on myself when it comes to what I do and um, very meticulous. I'm a perfectionist and I always think you can make it better. And so I, I think that, you know, I believe that we can grow into multiple stores and it can be amazing. And it doesn't, it's, it's not always about who you are. It can be about the people that you train and the people that you, that bring you, you bring with. I think that's really important to understand. And that's why when you see it with my school and you see it with my team or my, you know, my, my colleagues, it, it's not a secret, you know, it's out there and it's up to the individual to, to take it where they want to take it. And some become great and others, you know, never make it. Right. And I, and I think it's important to understand, um, you know, it's not a big secret. I mean, yeah, I do what I do and I make it amazing, but I, I can teach somebody that can be pretty amazing. And, and for that person to become great, it's, it's pretty awesome for me to see. It's a, it's a great feeling. How do you, what do you look for when you open? Because I know a lot of your restaurants are a little bit different. They're not like the same, uh, you know, someone, usually someone says they're going to build a pizza business. They take what they worked in their first store and they do replicate exactly the same yeah, for their second. Well, what do you look for when you come up with a new location? Because it seems to be different every time. Yeah, you know, I, I look at the demographic a little bit. I mean, when I'm looking at a location, I look to see what works. Will it be a slice house? Should it be a 9,000-square-foot box? Should it be a 3,500-square-foot box? You know, should it be just Neapolitan? That's kind of looking at me get into now. And I kind of see the area and see what works. Not all of them work. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, he's golden. He's opened up all these places. It's amazing. It's 
it's not amazing. <laughs> some of them aren't doing that great, and some of them are. And and I've come to realize that, and and that's been tough. But um, you know, you look at demographic, you look at you know lunch and dinner or dinner, either one. You know, is yeah. it both? I like a little bit of both. I just don't like. Um, I like weekends. People spend more money on weekends. I, I tend to not steer away, but watch out on, you know, Monday through Friday lunch kind of business side of um, concepts. Um, it does work well with slice houses, but, you know, people are eating and drinking a lot more on the weekends than they are on the weekdays, and they're eating a lot more at night than they are for lunch, and the window for opening, uh, from for being able to eat during a certain time is not 35 minutes to an hour. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's lot, lot, much longer for dinners. But I, I look at a lot of things. I look at a lot of variables. I look at traffic. I, I'm not as scared to go to areas um, that are uh, trying to make a comeback, like areas like main streets that may be dying and trying to make a comeback. I, I believe that I, I can be put a concept in a location that uh, if, if we build, they will come uh, type, type motto. And, and I've done that in Sacramento. We've done that in downtown Vegas. Um, but location is important. I mean, I've, I've learned that, um, but I'm sometimes I'm not as scared. I'm not scared to go to an area that um, I may be able to get amazing rent. It's, it's, it's making a comeback. I'm not, I'm not scared to be one of the first guys to, to do that. Right. Do you think it's a mistake so, yeah, for people I, to, do you think it's a mistake for people to duplicate one restaurant or do you think they should do more like yours is like kind of look, go by the location and you know what the uh, demographic is. No, rather I, than just... Yeah. I, I think it's a good idea. I, I think it's interesting. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's uh, wrong to duplicate, a restaurant at all. I mean, I mean, that's, you mean, you, you've seen the chains do it great. And, and, uh, but for me, I, I like a model that can adapt. And I always say this, that it, you never want to have a model that can get old and the pizzeria of the eighties and nineties are, are old. And if you look at some of these concepts, they're, they're struggling. And a lot of times I'll get students that come in that have been in the business for 20 or 30 years and say, Hey, I'm doing what I'm doing. And all these guys around me are opening up these new places and I'm kind of stuck. I don't know what to do and I can't adapt. That's the worst model to build. For me, I like to do two things. I like to at least build a model that can have at least two styles. One that may be the style that's working for you and the style that you want um, that, that works. And then the other style is a style that may be a little more testing the water something that may apply to 20% of your clientele, but that's the hip crowd that maybe you're not getting. And that could satisfy you into being innovative and changing. So for me, I say open up a model that has two ovens, not just one, one, doing what you're doing, that's fine. And two, where you can do experimental and experimental side could keep you up to date and in the scene. And you can become very, you can become old very fast now. The way the industry is moving, it's it's like light speed because of the internet, because of the way, you know, life is and things are coming out so quickly that, oh, everyone's like, oh, you can do a Chipotle like model. I was thinking of doing this model. There's a in line. There's a thousand of them out there. <laughs> right. like, 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 I mean, like, everyone says, yeah, I got a great idea. What do you think? I'm like, dude, just Google it. It'll be like 500 <laughs> different stores out there. Like, it's like, you're not, you know, so, you know, you're almost, you got to be, you got to make the curve. You know, I always said that, you know, you have to be the curve. Don't wait for it. 
and you can do your own research. And, and if you do it enough, you'll know what's going to hit and you'll know and be ready for it. And, and it's important to understand that for me, because I've had a lot of guys that say, I got to redo my whole store. I'm old. I, I can't do it. And it's 150 G's just to make it right and make it ADA and keep it up to code. And they're trying to figure out how to bring a new oven in and get rid of their conveyors or whatever they have. And it's just, you know, they're, they're done. They got to go back to the drawing board and hopefully people will understand it if they revamp it and keep the same name. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, totally. Do you think that that's a good, someone should just take the risk and do that? I think somebody should, yeah, I think they could, but what I always tell them to, if it's working, don't get rid of it. Right. Just add to it, you know, and I had guys come to me, I mean, some big stores, I mean, I, I talk to people a lot, and I don't like to say names, but I have people talk to me and say, man, well, what do I do? I, I feel like we're 20% down, and I can't change everything. My customers have been with me for all these years will hate me if I change it. I said, just add to it. Right. Why are you so scared? You know, you, you have to understand, you know, we have diversity when it comes to a menu and options and it's important to keep that diversity going and adding gluten free or whatever the heck it is that to make you current. And, uh, and, and a lot of people don't understand that. They think they just need to tear it all down and do it all over again. Some of the times they may, but, but most of the time, all they need to do is just rekindle the fire a little bit. Why are you think people are in this industry are so afraid to, you know, change something? I feel like everybody who has a store that's working, even though it might be down, they, they don't, like I, I feel like sometimes not everybody in the pizza industry, but the majority of people in the pizza industry are stuck in the '90s, where the glory days, and they 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 don't they don't look to the future and because they of built the it wrong, you know. Yeah, you know they they're not changing, you know. And those guys that never change their menu that much, still couponing, doing the same thing, still running that phone book ad. I mean, those are the guys that are just doing the same thing over and over again. They've never reupholstered their place. They didn't change their logo. They didn't do something to refresh the place. It's guys that are so behind that they haven't even added, you know, they just added bell peppers last week and they thought it was a great vegetable, but <laughs> yeah, it's just guys that are so behind that, that it's just, it's just, they, they can't catch up. And when you're behind and you can't catch up, I mean, it's, it's like a sport, man. If you're not practicing and getting, you know, fine-tuned and keeping it, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be sitting on a bench. Right. Where, where so can people when, go to find that information? What do you, is there any good places to kind of keep up with the times? Where should they go to look to make see what's going on and what's coming in the future? Well, that's easy. I mean, it just, I mean, if you just go to Pizza Expo, I mean, I, I don't want to brag about Pizza Expo. Let's go to Pizza Expo and look at who's competing and what they're making. I mean, it's simple. Like when Detroit Style hit, I mean, it's so funny. You see Little Caesars now being Detroit Style, Detroit Style, you know. Yeah. Back in the day, I had the 313 in my course. Um, guys from Austin, uh, the brothers, uh, Hunt brothers were in my course. Yeah, I just talked to them, actually. Was in that. Yeah, so you got Jeff Smokovich, who was in that course. Hunt brothers wanted to do, uh, to do um, Detroit style. You know, then you had Sean Randazzo that was doing it. And uh, when Sean went and competed in Vegas, it was the first time anybody got from Detroit to ever compete like in a world kind of competition people had no clue what it was but when you were there and i i, I introduced scott I, I introduced sean the day before he won and i told everybody in my seminar i said this guy may very well take it all tomorrow wow. and he won <laughs> and i said it's a style a lot of people don't do it was the first time we we did a seminar together on detroit style he demoed it no one knew what the hell it was. New Yorkers were all Detroit, isn't it? Sicilian style? What is it? 
try it. Just try it. Oh, well, yeah, it's kind of different. I'm like, yeah, it is different. That's its own style. It's in its own category. And I think they, the younger generation want different. They don't want the same old, same old. Like the younger generation, they don't want anything. Yeah, exactly. It's like wearing the same outfit every day. You don't. Yeah. You want something a little different. You want to take, you know, your girl out and try something new. It, it's it's not food isn't what it used to be. You know, it's not having the same thing every night. It's going out and experience and, and having an experience. So when you look at what we're doing, it's okay to have that face. Nobody says anything wrong with it, but you need to really be able to do it correctly. You know, like I say, New York style, having a place that's a New York style and, and there's nothing New York about it. I hate that. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that if you have a concept that can't do it right, but you're saying, Oh, I got your choice down and, 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 and you know, you don't have brick cheese, you don't have the pans, it's round. I mean, it just, there's nothing Detroit around it, uh, about it. It's important to understand that, you know, having two ovens, having different temperatures, doing it correctly, investing in the equipment, investing in the tools, it's important to have to really execute it correctly. So when you do get the guys that come in that have, did grow up on Buddies or Cloverleaf or Shield, then they eat it and they say, wow, this is legit. That's what you want. And, right. and so a lot of the times it happens. You got guys will label it and they screw it up. And all of a sudden, there's there's nothing New York or Detroit or St. Louis about it. So, you know, really going to Expo, watching what people are doing. You know, my guys won last year. Last two years, my guys won in the cast iron skillet pieces. Yep. Matt Molina won. Matt Taylor won in that division. And Matt won it all in one. And, and I had to tell him to tell the judges that it wasn't burnt. That this is the way it's supposed to look. Show them <laughs> the cast iron and all these judges. You, get, you know, you had everybody there. You had Scotland. You you had American Baking Institute. You had Canada, Australia, and I'm like, like, dude, tell them what it's supposed to be because they don't know what the fuck they're looking at. Sorry, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I mean, really, I mean, they they didn't. They didn't know what they're looking at. So that's awesome. You know, and then everyone's all cast iron. Wow. I said, well, you know, if you're kind of a Burt's fan or you you know you've been to Chicago and kind of seen it down that Pequod's route. I mean, it, it could be pretty awesome. And they're looking at it, never had anything like it. I'm like, eat it from back to back to middle. Don't eat it from middle to back. I'm like, it's actually a better slice if you eat the back. Just make sure the judges know that. And they, you know, tried the back of it. They, they said, wow, what is that? I, you know, it's a blend of this and that. So, you know, it, it's, it's and, and you would have saw that there. And, and you got judges, you have people from everywhere. No one had a clue what a cast iron school of pizza was. So, you know, being able to do something cool that was made 50 years ago, 70 years ago, and recreating your own restaurant, um, you know, that's why I say a lot of double-stack gas brick ovens are great, because you can have 650 on top and 550 on the bottom. You know, you can, it's versatile. You just don't have one chamber that is one temperature only, and you can do a lot more in it. I think it's important to understand that. Even the quadruple-stack electric ovens, I mean, I have several of them in my restaurants. And you're gluten-free on top, Roman in the middle, you know, New York style, that's high heat, uh, and Sicilian. I mean, you can almost do four styles with one oven. Right. What do you think about yeah. the uh, – do you do any delivery in your any of your restaurants? Yeah, I do delivery at several uh, several of my restaurants. What do you think of where, where the delivery aspect of the pizza industry is going to go in the next few years? Uh, say it one more time. What's the, what's, what do, do you I think, think of delivery? Do you, yeah, you know, uh, well, now when most people not in the pizza industry think of pizza, they think of, you know, takeout delivery. Do you think that the delivery aspect, you know, with the uh, pay raises and all the laws that are changing, do you think that's going to have to change where people don't expect to get two pizzas delivered to their house for 20 bucks from, the, you know, five or 10 years from now? 
Well, it's interesting. When you look at the model and you're building it, what are you building? If you're building a Neapolitan model, then don't even look into delivery. A lot of guys say, I want to do a Neapolitan model, and they open up and they want to do delivery and take out. Neapolitan, I don't deliver it, and I don't do it to go. So it depends on the model and what you're doing. But when it comes to delivery, I've said this, and you're going to see a story come out to today. The delivery... Um, I, I'm writing it, and, and, I, and it should be on Pizza Today actually next month or month after. There's a third-party couriers are becoming the biggest trend in the delivery world. Like Uber yeah. destroyed the taxi drivers, yep. you know, and that whole community. Now there are third-person parties like, you know, Grubhub, Caviar, Postmates, Uber Eats. Yeah, I was going to say Uber has something like that. Yeah. Francisco. So now you're looking at is you're driving sooner or later the deliver the the restaurants won't employ delivery drivers they're just going to go through third person parties and you're going to see that trend go really quick and I I, I would say it's going to be over fifty to sixty to seventy percent of the whole delivery market will not be in house delivery drivers. Yeah, you think that's I have better for this- the industry? I think it's better and worse. I think it's better for, yeah, not having to pay the wages, but not having to have, I mean, when you look at paying the drivers, when you look at uh, insurance, when you look at if you have cars, if you look at, man, there's several things. Even these companies are marketing for you. I mean, these guys are hustling for you. They're trying to get business for you. Uh, What's great is they're able to capture a lot of business you've never been uh, able to get. And you have really no liability, and liability to drivers is is a big problem in our industry. Yeah. But you know the downfall are you're dealing with a lot of guys that are more IT computer. It's like that uh, artist that doesn't really get along with the the writers. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same thing. They're going into an industry they don't really understand the restaurant industry to an extent. They right. think it's just like okay, we put an order in, we pick it up, right? And they don't understand busyness and stuff. But the pros and cons with these companies, remember, you're a delivery driver and you work for one company. Okay, now if I just left the delivery, your, your, your company that I work for one, and now I work for a company that, that, that has 100 restaurants under their portfolio, are you as a delivery driver going to get way more deliveries? Yes, you're going to get Chinese, you're going to get Korean, you're going to get pizza. So these drivers are actually bitching at the beginning that, oh, I can't believe this is happening, and then all of a sudden they end up getting hired by these companies and they're like it's the best thing in the world i take 60 deliveries a day i take 70 deliveries a day i work all day so it's almost like an uber driver some of these guys are like saying what the heck and then all of a sudden they join and and they they understand what big brother's about right (laughs) so it's kind of um it's it's kind of interesting how it's going um i like it a lot i i uh i have three companies right now i'm working with in san francisco um, I have only one at Tony's because it's just too busy. Um, I can't have another delivery. The big problem with these companies are there's other companies that are setting up platforms that grab your menu and they, you can, as a, as a consumer, search and say, oh, delivery. It goes to whatever, a, ABC, and ABC has Tony's menu on it. You order from ABC, guy picks up the phone, gets it. Now that guy calls me, and I don't know who that guy is. And I say, oh, yeah, I need a large pepperoni, and, and I'm going to pick it up. My name's you know, John. Right. That guy picks it up from me, but pays for it, 
and then he leaves with that pizza and delivers it to someone and gets a fee. So if that guy, a lot of these companies are posting up fake companies <laughs> that I'm not affiliated with. Right. And that guy comes into my store, grabs a couple of pieces and leaves. So sometimes I'll get a customer say, hey, you you know, that ABC company is pretty shitty. It's two <laughs> hours to get to me. And I'll be like, ABC? Who the hell's that? Yeah. Or well, like you, they'll ABC complain about I the order. pizza. Yeah. I'll say, I don't know what ABC is. Or I'll, well, don't they have you? I have no clue ABC is. I'm not affiliated with ABC. The problem is, is there's a bunch of these ABCs that are coming up that are just doing portals. And then unless you call them and say, hey, man, get my, get my menu down. I don't know why you have it up. And they'll take it down and they go to the next one. So now there's fake companies that are out there that you're not affiliated with. So, so there's pros and cons for it. Um, you just got to watch out. The more it grows, there's like hundreds, it's going to be like a chocolate model. There'll be hundreds of these out there. Yeah, it's going to be um, fast. It's going to be fascinating to see where that goes in the next five years. Yeah, it's going to be big. Trust me. It, it's, it's big because, because I'm in San Francisco and you'll be surprised. So, yeah, San Francisco is like the tech hub. So that's where it's all going to start, right? Oh, they're everywhere, man. I got, I got guys knocking on my door every day and, and I just, you know, but now they're kind of doing, they'll say, Hey, can you have on September 15th? Uh, 500, um, seven dollar items that we could sell for nine dollars, and they'll say we'll pick them all up at once and get them ready. So that those are now now they're getting giant accounts and going in their suits. They say we work for whoever and we can get this company and it's the restaurant's amazing. You've heard of Tony and what you so now there's some major deals going on that they'll pick up. I mean, like, not it's like it's like a catering job, but I mean, it's like crazy. Wow, that's yeah, it. I didn't, even, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, and that's what they want. They want those big ones that they can do, and they say, "Give, can you give us six, you know, six dollar items? Uh, we'll we'll get seventy five of them picked up at eleven. They're all done. They're already sold. Wow. And they'll say, "Well, can you have it next Monday?" And then you kind of can say, "Okay, we can do three meatballs and a half order garlic bread for X, and then and then sell it." That's amazing. So what, if you could give someone who's looking to get into wrapping up, I don't want to take too much of your time uh, wrapping up. If you could give someone looking to get into their business now or who maybe has a business who's looking to grow it, what, one piece of advice, what would that what would that advice be? Well, there's a lot of advice. I mean, actually, I don't want to say one, but I mean, I just research what you're doing, understand the demographic, you know, understand that what you want to serve may not be what everybody wants. That, that's why I always say it, it is important to do two styles like Neapolitan. Not everybody gets it. Right. And everybody wants to get into it. And you can see in my growth, is Neapolitan number one in Vegas? No. Is it number one in Roner Park? No. Is it number one in Sacramento? No. Is it number one in San Francisco? It is at that store. So understanding growth, understanding that, you know, are you building this restaurant for today? Are you building it for five years? Are you building it for 20 years? You're building it for 20 years. Just make sure that walk-in is big enough and just make sure you have enough oven and always build your restaurant around your kitchen. Don't build your um, kitchen around your restaurant. It's a very important thing. If your kitchen is screwed up, not flowing right, and it can't produce, then who cares if you have 150 seats out there? Right. And a lot of people don't understand that. They're too busy trying to get as many seats as they can, and they have a restaurant that just cannot function. Right. Yeah. I think that's great. I could sit here talking to you all day, man. I don't want to take too much of your time. Though. <laughs> well, I'm glad it worked out. Hopefully it did. Yeah, that was awesome, Tony. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy so much. Thank you uh, so much for joining us. 
Cool, man. Thank you. Good luck and everything. Hey, Bye. thanks, Tony. I'll let you know when it comes out, okay? Thanks. Thanks, man. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out that mastermind group. Go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. would love to have you guys be involved in that. Uh, starting new groups every week, so go check that out. Also, check out the books page on the products page, all that stuff that I'm adding to the Smart Pizza Marketing website to help you kind of make better decisions in your business and help you choose through all these products and services that we all get bombarded with on a daily basis. Um, I want to talk to these guys, help you decide which ones are best for you. So those are the products page, tools, books, all that good stuff. Head over to the website, uh, smartpizzamarketing.com and check all that stuff out. Also, there's just because this interview is over doesn't mean I want the conversation to end. Uh, leave a comment on the blog post. This is episode number 47, so you can go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash 47 for all the show notes and uh, all the links to Tony's website and to check him out and all the information that was talked about in this episode. Um, also, if you could give us a review on iTunes, that would be great. Um, helps us with the uh, episode, grow the show, get more downloads, get better guests on, and uh, keep the show growing. So I appreciate all your feedback. If you have any questions, shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. Sorry for the longer episode this week, but I love talking to Tony, and we kind of went long this week. So this week's episode is a little bit longer than usual, but I hope that it was jam-packed with info to help you out. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you.